Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am your host. My name is Songa Zogwanya, and I'm excited to be doing this podcast. Please do join me as we study the book of James, chapter 4. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be, uh, we're going to be shaken. It is a powerful chapter. Uh, My favorite verse in it is, the verse that says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And some of the powerful verses that are there are verses like, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I'm looking forward to it. Please join me. This is Songa Zogwanya, and this is Songa Zogwanya Speaks Podcast. God bless you. Have a great one. Once again, I'm excited to be sharing with you the book of James. Today we're focusing on chapter 4. I'm excited that you, you, you chose to, to tune in, really. I am thrilled. So we're going to be reading uh, James chapter 4. We'll be reading from verse 1 going down to verse 17. It's going to be an exciting journey. I want you to think about what I'm going to say, what the Word of God is saying. And, and let's examine ourselves, really, to see if the Lord is really pleased with us or what. And then if he's not pleased, then we have to change. We have to change for his glory and for our good. Sometimes we we think that we're doing things for God, but hey, we're doing a favor to ourselves because we don't want to bear. So let's go to uh, verse 1, read it, and and talk about it, uh, and then until verse 17. If you have a Bible, please join with me there. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? And it is posing a question that is so strong that is that is just uh, nerve-wracking. It's like, where do wars and fights come from among you? These, these wars, these fights, these quarrels uh, are within us. 
You know, we, we cannot have a peace with the other people if we don't have peace within us. So James is asking this question that where do wars and fights come from among us? And then he asked the question, there is an answer really, says, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? And sometimes when you, you have desires that, that are not fulfilled, that are not coming through for you, you desire to have one, two, three, but you don't get that one, two, three. And we read in the Proverbs that a desire that is, is not fulfilled makes the heart sick. And our hearts are sick, are full of this war, are full of this, uh, the, this pain and, and this fight that are there. It says in verse 2, you lust and do not have. And this is the problem now that you, 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 you have desire, but you don't have what you, you want. So you lust, but even then, you don't have still. You see what other people have and you, you lust after that. You see a woman passing, you lust after her. Jesus Christ is clear about this when you read the Beatitudes. It says, any man that looks after a woman as to lust after him, that man is sinning, committing adultery. Because that man is sleeping with that woman uh, while she's walking on a far distance. That's sin, and we, we have to repent from that. It says in, in verse 2, as we continue, it says, You murder and covert and cannot op obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Now, this is the problem that you murder and covert. You, 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 you like to have these great things of this world, but you do not have those things. You don't have those things. It says, Why? Why is that? Because you don't ask. And this is true, as simple as it sounds, that we do not ask. We think we ask. We think we ask enough. Jesus Christ says, uh, ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And when you read from the Greek as well, the language there is something that you do consistently. It's something that you do in the present. It's something that you do in the future. It's something that you do. You are always doing it each and every day. Until that door is opened, you don't stop knocking. There are men who are looking for jobs, but they've stopped knocking. They've stopped believing. There are some who are looking for partners. They've stopped believing that God will give them the, 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 the suitable partner that he has made for them. But he says, you don't ask. Or you're asking the wrong, you're asking from the wrong source. Sometimes really we ask from people instead of asking from God. We think that people are our saviors, but no, they are not. Says in verse 3, you ask and not receive. Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. That means when you ask from God, now you ask from God, but you ask amiss. You ask pointlessly. You ask so that you can actually be seen to have one, two, three. Not to glorify God, not to serve God better and serve his people, but you want to spend it on your pleasures. You want to spend it on those desires that fight within you. 
factors in verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now he changed the transition from the desire that is within, from the things that are within, to something that is external. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That means, because now we want these things, we have desires, and we think the best way to get these things is for us to be friends with the world and do the things of the world to get the desires that we have fulfilled. And Dempsey is saying, you adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That means there's separation there. We have become enemies of God. And God won't hear us, frankly. He won't answer our prayers, frankly. You can't be the friend of the world and be the friend of God at the same time. You're either the friend of God or you're the friend of the world. You can't be both. You can't serve two masters and please both of them. You'll either hate the other and love the other. And this is our reality. You can't have a wife and then a girlfriend. You, you have to make a choice to stick with your wife or stick with your girlfriend. You have to choose life or choose death. You can't have both of them living in the same well. You have to choose, my brother, and you have to choose, my sister. You, 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 can't, you can't have a husband and, and a boyfriend. You, you can't have the church and the tavern. You can't have God and the things of the world. There has to be a choice that must be made. He says in verse 5, Or oh, do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? You see, the spirit of God that is within those who are baptized, those who are saved, yearns jealously because it wants our bodies, our hearts, our minds, our souls to be dedicated to God, but to be dedicated to the things of this world. And, uh, and uh, the Spirit of God that is within us yearns jealously. Verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. That is God. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. God, God is a God of grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, when we become arrogant and proud and, and love the world and live with the world, we would become so proud within that we know what we are doing. We, we show ourselves to be knowing what we're doing, but we actually will be proud and arrogant and ignorant. And when we do so, God resists us. God hates us. We are an abomination to God. But here now, it is but God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those who say, Lord, I cannot do anything without you. 
I am nothing without you. I am poor in my spirit. I am lost without you. I'm in poverty without you. And I need you for my sustenance. I need you for my safety. I need you for my providence. I need you for my life and for everything. Without you, I can do nothing. Just like Moses says, if Lord, you don't go with us, if you don't go with me, I, I don't go. I will not go. I want you to be with me. That person is humble. That person is, is, is aware of himself and his situation and, and, and the power of God. But sometimes we think we know. We think we know our marriages. We think we know our work. We, we think we know our churches. We think we know our situations in every case. But we don't know. Only God knows because he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. We, we have to be dependent on him. I want us to read uh, this proverb. It is a powerful, powerful proverb that you also know and love and you've been taught of it and you have taught yourself from it. I want us to, to look at the psalm, I mean, proverb rather. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Listen to verse 7. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Fear. Fear. It says, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do not depart from evil if you don't fear the Lord. But if you don't fear the Lord, you are arrogant. You are proud. You are self seeking Says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. Do you want God to direct your path? Do you want to be blessed in all that you do? Do you want to have grace in all that you do? Do you want to have the presence of God in all you do? Whether you're at work, you're at school, you're in the house, at home, you're you, you in the street walking, you're in the shop shopping, you want to have the grace of God? I think you have to be humble. You have to, you have to lower yourself. Jesus Christ being God. Listen to the scripture. Jesus Christ being God. Being in the face of God. Let's read, let's read, let's read Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider the robbery to be to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as man, he he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And listen to the next verse. It says, "Therefore God also." has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow and of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ in the form of God. He humbled himself. He lowered himself to be a born servant who was in the form of God, humbled himself. Are you in the form of God? Are you God? So you better humble yourself. You better lower yourself 
and God will give you more grace. Just as he has given Jesus Christ and exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. Either in heaven, there's no name like his. Either on earth, there's no name that can save lives on earth. Or under the earth, there is nothing, there is no name that is above the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, Therefore, that being the case, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You have to submit to God. You have to give yourself wholly to God. You have to be subject to God. That means God must be over you and, 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 and be superior on your life and, and direct your path. And then he says, resist the devil. This point again, you will never be able to resist the devil if you're not submitted to God. You'd never stop addiction unless you have been addicted with something else. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta change addiction. You will never stop addiction, but you have to change addiction. Are you addicted uh, with evil? Now you gotta swap and go to God and be addicted, addicted with God. He says, resist the devil, and look what he will do. He will free. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. Remember, Jesus Christ was tempted by the devil. Change this bread. Change this stone to be bread. Go to this high point and fly. Look at the beauties of the world. I will give you all. And Jesus Christ said, it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. And what did the devil do? He fled. He left Jesus Christ alone. Why? Because Jesus Christ humbled himself. And used the word and quoted God and quoted himself. You wanna you wanna enjoy the grace of God, my friend? Submit to God, resist the devil in his schemes, and he will flee from you. It says, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let's just stop there. We, we got to take the first step. Because God has done his first step by sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And, and what we, we have to do is, is take the first step on our side and, and draw near to God and decide to be with God and live with God and do the things that God wants us to do. We, we, we got to have faith in him and draw near to God. And one, once we draw near to God, the Bible says God in his omnipotence, God in all his grace, God in all his love and forgiveness and patience and, and, and faithfulness, he will draw near to us. That means we will meet the robots. At the traffic light, wherever we will meet, but when we take a first step to go to God, God takes a step to come to us. Remember the prodigal son. He, he has squandered the monies that his father labored for. He, he, has, he has squandered his life that God has given him. He is wasted. 
He has nothing. He is worthless. But when he took the step to come forward to God, to come to come back home, the Bible says his father seeing him ran to him. And that's God running toward a sinner. And, and not just running, but running with his arms open to welcome him, to hug him, and, 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 and to, to, to actually say, you know what? I love you. Yes, we have sinned. Yes, you stink sin. You stink pigs. You stink all these things of this world. But I love you still. I don't know what you're going through. I cannot begin how sinful, I cannot begin to know how sinful you are. But I know that the grace of God is above your sins. And the grace of God will cover your sins. The question is, will you take the step and go to him? Just like the prodigal son. And, and, and the Hebrew uh, scholars uh, say, and, and, and other scholars uh, say, Bible scholars say, it was actually shameful for a Hebrew man to run. It would be a shame for him to fall and people would look at him and, and, and despise him. That he fell on the ground while he was running. So it was not, it was not allowed for him to run. But this man denied all what people could say to run toward his son. God did not care about what we would say about him dying for us on the cross, but he cared to save our lives. He says, he says cleanse your hands. Repent. Stop sinners. Stop, stop sins. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. That means repent. Repent. Change. Move away from the, the world that you lived from or had and, 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 and go to live in this new world of love, of grace, of mercy, of joy, of gentleness, of faithfulness, of truthfulness. It says, lament and mourn and weep. Cry out for your sins. Cry out for the sins of others. It says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That means, cry out. Don't rejoice. You don't have time to rejoice and, and be glad. Mourn for your sins. Realize that now you are at your worst and you, you, you are actually prepared for, for, for hell. Mourn for that. It says, verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and they will lift you up. It says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and they will lift you up. You see, one thing that we're, we're talking about with my, my mentor uh, uh, just, just yesterday, he said to me, you know, Songelzo, People will lift you up. But people being people will also bring you down. 
when you don't do things according to how they want things to be done, they will, they will bring you down. They, they will bring you up because you do what they want to hear or you say what they want to, to, to hear and do what they want you to do and they will, they, they will lift you up and exalt you. But they will throw you down. But, but when you submit to God, God will lift you up and will never bring you down again. That's beauty, man. And that is truth, man. Because people will lift you up when it serves them better. But God lifts you up when it helps you, when it changes you, when it transforms you. Ah, what a grace. And God says, I'm looking for someone that I can lift now. Where are the humble? Where are those who will say, I am nothing without Jesus? I am nothing without God. I need you. I need you. Let's go to verse 11. Now the tone changes. It says, don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother, judges his brother. Speaks of evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And here now, this is what we like to do, to speak bad and evil of each other. And Jenny said, don't do that. Don't speak ill of your brother. Don't lie about your brother. Don't despise your brother in his absence or, or, or sister's absence. Because when you do that, you judge a brother. And when you judge a brother, you're not a doer of the law. But now you've become a judge of the law. Who are you to be a judge? Who are you to be a judge? Who set you on the throne? Who put you on the throne? Because Jesus Christ was put by God. And he created us. So, so he deserves to be on the throne. Who put you on the throne? Who put me on the throne to judge others? James says, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. It says in verse 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? What, what a question. It's a splendid question. It's a powerful question. It's a truthful question. Who are you to judge others? Because there's one lawgiver that we know who is able to save and able to destroy. You see, Jesus Christ is able to save your life, but is able to destroy your life in hell. Are you able to save lives? Is your blood pure to save humanity from its sins? Talk to me now. Who are you to judge? I think we have to change a perspective on, 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 on our judgment. Who are we to judge? Who are we to tell people they're bad? To tell people whatever that we, we are suffering from ourselves. We have to change our minds and stop speaking evil of our brothers and sisters to love them, to support them, to help them in a loving way, not in a self-righteous way. Who are you to judge? 
Now let's go to the conclusion of this uh, great chapter. Verse 13 to 17, says in verse 13, come now you, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know that, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What a question. I think, I think COVID-19 is a great, great truth about this verse. How many people have planned vacations? How many people had ventures planned to say, March, I would have achieved one, two, three. April, I would have done one, two, three. June, I would have done this. By December, I would have finished a book, I would have finished a movie, I would have finished doing one, two, three, four, five. We all had plans. But Brother James says, come. You who say, today or tomorrow, we'll do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What else? You don't know. You don't know tomorrow. You don't know what will happen in your life or in to your life or to the lives of all of us. You don't know that. So how dare you plan and not include God? Says your life is, is like a vapor man that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You see, you see, you see into a smoke. It just comes, then disappears. You don't see it anymore. Says instead, verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. You see now, you include the Lord. Say, if it's God's will, we will do one, two, three. But if it's not, I'm open to his will. I'm open to his direction because I do not lean on my own understanding. I lean on his direction, on his will. It, it is mind-blowing. It, change, it changes everything in our lives. When we depend on the Lord, we're not disappointed, but we are thankful. We are thankful that it did not work out our own way. Because had it done our own way, then we would have been destroyed by now. And we have to be thankful of that. It says in verse 16, But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. You see, people are boasting that we will do one, two, three, four, five, and, and they, they don't include the Lord. We will do this and do this and do this, and the Lord is not in their plans, and hence their plans are not succeeding. Hence their plans are not blessed. There's all such boasting is evil. In verse 17, the last verse in conclusion says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Hey, how many things in your life, in my life, we know to be right, to be true, and for us to do, but we don't do them. You see? Sin is not only the things that we do wrong, but also the good things that we do not do. Come on now, can I repeat that? Come on, church, can I repeat that? Someone say, Amen. Sin is not only the wrong things that we do, but the good things 
that we do not do, that we are supposed to do. So it is sin to do. How can I put this? Do not do the good that you know that you're supposed to be doing. Supposed to be helping that person. Supposed to be praying for that person. Supposed to be visiting that person. Supposed to be supporting that person in one way or the other, but you don't. Thank you for listening. God bless. I hope you have been changed. I hope you have been transformed from this lesson of James chapter 4. I am certainly transformed. I am certainly rebuked. And I will do my best to change. And I pray that God helps me and he helps you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. May the Lord bless you and give you his grace and, and, and be kind to you and make his light shine upon you and shine through you. God bless you. This is Song of Zogwanya and this is the Song of Zogwanya Speaks Podcast. Have a great one. God bless you. Bye. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us when we all get to heaven. What a day, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout and Clouds will overspread the skies, but when traveling days are over, not a shadow shall When we all get to heaven, what a day! What a day of rejoicing that will be! When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory.